Our scripture lesson today is taken from the first chapter of Luke. Uh, Luke 1 and 2 are the uh, birth narratives of Christ, and this is a a partial glimpse at uh, the character Elizabeth. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We come now to the seventh of eight biblical characters this summer. Because of the moral fiber they exhibit are worthy of our study and emulation. We have thus far spent time with Miriam, the sister of Moses, who insisted that the voice of God could speak through women as well as through men. The daughters of Zelophehad, who went to tribal leaders with a demand that contrary to the law and custom of the day, they be allowed to inherit, to inherit land that their father had owned and who secured a reasonable agreement along those lines from the leaders of the tribe. Lydia, who supported the church with its, in its earliest days with the abundance of wealth that she had accrued from being a dealer in luxurious purple goods. Lois, whose barely remarked upon life passed faith down to her daughter Eunice and her grandson Timothy, who then became a leader of the church. Abigail, who stood up to her wealthy, churlish husband and diffused a potentially violent confrontation with the about-to-become King David, all the while bringing a measure of justice her husband had refused to acknowledge as legitimate. And last week we saw Uriah the Hittite a military commander who remained loyal to his troops, to his commanding officer, and even to his corrupt king, David, while facing his own arranged death with what Hemingway called grace under pressure. In this series, we have two remaining characters with character from the pages of Scripture, both from the New Testament. Next week, we'll look at Joseph of Arimathea, who arranges for the body of Christ to be given a decent burial. And today, we look at Elizabeth, who is a paragon of patience, who listens to God speak through the prenatal movements of her son, John the Baptist, and who prepares both her son and Mary, the mother of Jesus, for the roles they will play in the birth and life of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. 
St. Augustine said, you were deeper inside me than my deepest depths and higher than any greatest heights. God of Elizabeth and our God, let us explore our deepest depths and soar to our greatest heights in, under, around, and through your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So Elizabeth is the 16th most popular name for infant girls in America in 2021. And yet there is only one Elizabeth in the Bible, and she appears in only one chapter in the Bible, the first chapter of Luke. Elizabeth is the older cousin of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Like her husband, Zechariah, she is righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. Both she and her husband, who is a priest, are descendants from two separate and long lines of priests. In Elizabeth's case, it goes all the way back to Aaron, the brother of Moses, from whose wife, Elisheva, Elizabeth's name is drawn. Like many biblical women before her, Sarah, Rachel, Hannah, Elizabeth has been barren for several decades, a cultural, economic, and religious burden for women in her day. Luke even describes Elizabeth as getting on in years. A somewhat ungraceful description from a writer who is usually eloquent, beautiful, and tactful. While carrying out his priestly duties one day, alone in the inner sanctum of the temple, Zechariah receives an unexpected visit from an angel of the Lord. The angel tells Zechariah that his wife will bear a son, that they will name him John, and that their son will grow up to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Zechariah protests, how will I know, for I am an old man and my wife is getting up in years. Displeased with Zechariah's doubtful response, the angel then renders Zechariah mute until the day these things occur. Elizabeth becomes pregnant. One day, six months into Elizabeth's pregnancy, she, I've got this, I've got this out of order now. I've got to tell this story right. One day when Elizabeth is six months pregnant, her younger cousin Mary, who is three months pregnant, comes and visits. When Mary enters Elizabeth's house, the moment that Elizabeth hears Mary's voice, the child in Elizabeth's womb leaps. Luke then tells us that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth proclaims to Mary in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why has this happened to me? that the mother of my Lord has come 
to me. For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believes that there would be a fulfillment of what God has spoken to her. Mary then breaks into song, praising God for what God will do through her son. A song that comes down to us as the Magnificat. Mary then remains with Elizabeth for three months and then returns home. When Elizabeth gives birth, the neighbors and their relatives gather around and rejoice. On the eighth day, when Zechariah and Elizabeth bring their son to a circumcision and naming ceremony, the gathered friends and relatives all assume that they will name the child Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth stands firm twice. His name is John, she says. His name is John. The still mute Zechariah gives his support to Elizabeth's announcement by writing with charcoal on a pad, his name is John. Luke tells us that at that point, Zechariah's mouth is opened and his tongue is freed. Like Mary, Zechariah then sings of the role and destiny of his son who will prepare the way and baptize the Savior of the Lord as John the Baptist. Elizabeth and Zechariah then exit the stage never to appear again in Scripture. And Luke closes out the story by saying, their child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly to Israel. Their son comes down to us in history as John the Baptist. Now that's everything the Bible has to say about Elizabeth. But what are the character traits that she has that we can derive from her and that might lead us to emulate her to go forward in our own lives? The first trait we see in Elizabeth is patience. She waits several decades to become pregnant. She then waits 30 years following the birth of her son for him to step forward into the destiny which she knows to be his. Half of her life she waits for her child. Half of her life she waits for him to fulfill his destiny. Yet as she waits, based on the way that Luke's describe her, She remains righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. Though she exits the the stage of Scripture after the circumcision and naming, it is likely that Elizabeth remains faithful and committed 
as she awaits the day when her son steps forth from the wilderness to announce and baptize the Messiah. Elizabeth is patient. All my life in being a minister in the Presbyterian Church, I've just been more and more aware of how many of us come with faith, yes, but often with faith that we will have faith. Often with faith that something will happen. Often with hope that the breakthrough in our lives or in our understanding of God will occur. It is very possible that in that decades of waiting for her child and then decades of waiting for her child to fulfill his destiny, the patience that Elizabeth has is the patience of praying, of attending worship, of singing the hymns, of saying the Apostles' Creed, all in hopes that it's true, that it's really true, and that there will be for us a breakthrough. I've shared from this pulpit before Renita Weems's quote that we live between the last time God showed up for us and the next time God is going to show up for us. We live in the middle. Like Elizabeth, we wait with patience. Second, as I read her story, I'm struck that Elizabeth has the wisdom to listen to her body. If you have any remembrance of Elizabeth prior to this sermon, it's likely from this startling report. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb. That is what she's most known for. Now, though my wife and I are on something of a kick, and I emphasize something at least for this half of the marriage, of watching call the midwife. (laughs) She watches it about two or three times for every time that I watch it, but it is good. Pregnancy is something that is rather far from my experience. Not only because I'm male, but because my own children I adopted when they were in upper elementary ages. The closest I have come to being around childbirth is the joy of visiting some of you in birthing centers in those days when people stayed longer than 24 hours and pre-COVID. But even though I've never been around pregnancy or childbirth, as I read this story, I have over the years learned the importance of listening to my own body. I know when my body is telling, to me, telling me that I need to listen to what someone is saying to me. 
as uncomfortable as what they are saying makes me as much as I don't want to hear it. I know when my body is telling me that something is going on in the family, in the room, in the church, in the country, that doesn't seem right and might need my attention. I know when my body is telling me that my mind is engaged in wishful thinking, that I'm doing all I can to avoid admitting that what is going on is evil and destructive and calls for action on my part or the part of others. I know when my body is telling me that the path down which I have chosen to walk is not the right path and I need to reverse course and go back. I know when my body is telling me that I need to speak up as much as I don't want to ruffle feathers, hurt feelings, alienate friends, lose popularity. I know when my body is telling me that I need to keep plowing the field even though the results are not that encouraging or visible at the moment. I know when my body is telling me I need to slow down. I know when my body is telling me I need to rest. I know when my body is telling me that I need to have it checked out by someone trained in diagnostic arts rather than in my own arts of surmising, speculating, dismissing, dismissing potential seriousness or creating scenarios of worry over unverified possibilities. I know when my body is telling me that there is simply too much of it and that I need to curtail what I put in it. That's actually a line somebody in the church told me one time. I think it's a great line. I don't take credit for it. I know when my body is telling me that I am underdoing it in the category of exercise and movement. I know when my body is telling me to put my hand in front of my mouth, to hold my lips tightly together, to press against the back of my throat the cruel and angry words that are rattling to burst out like inmates from a jail cell. I know when my body is telling me it's time to get up and go to work, no matter how discouraged or desolate or depressed I might be be. And I know when my body is telling me that, it, that I need to stop and pay attention to the person whom I love. When my body is talking to me, it is one of the most reliable and prescient voices I hear. It rarely speaks obliquely. It rarely minces words. It is almost always right and though occasionally it wants to take me down paths I know I should not go, it nearly always gives me the chance to say no. Concerning the, lipping, the leaping Elizabeth felt in her womb, Luke says concerning that leaping, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
When we listen to our bodies more often than not, we are like Elizabeth, listening to the Holy Spirit, listening to the voice of God calling our name, listening to the voice of God seeking our our attention on something important. And finally, part of Elizabeth's character is that she knew when to exit the stage. She blesses Mary. She turns the musical over to Mary's operatic voice. She re-enters the play to give birth. She stands her ground around those around her who want to name the baby something other than what the Lord has spoken. And then she exits the scene, the scene of Scripture altogether, as Zechariah sings a solo. And the play then moves on to focus on the child to whom she has given birth. As he grows, as he becomes strong in spirit, and as he steps onto the stage himself as John the Baptist preparing the way for Christ who then takes the play, takes the musical to entirely new heights. In the brief chapter in which we meet Elizabeth, she receives the blessing of conception. She recognizes a similar blessing within Mary. She nurtures that blessing within Mary for three months. She experiences the culmination of her blessing in the birth of her son. Then she exits the stage that he may assume his destiny and role and prepare the way for Mary's child. Part of Elizabeth's character is knowing when and how to exit so that others might flourish. In a few precious moments, we will all celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. We'll celebrate it in a way that must needs still be truncated, but in a way that does not diminish it as the word made visible. It is the word of God that we can see touch, taste, smell, and if we listen for the pouring of wine or the breaking of bread, we can hear. This word made visible is always in our Presbyterian tradition accompanied by the spoken word, the sermon, the homily. I hope that as you partake of the word made visible today, you will also ingest the spoken word. That together these two expressions of God's singular word will help you to have greater patience. Will help you to listen to the spirit speaking through your body. To help you to know when and how to step aside so that others may assume their roles and duties. Amen.